If you're writing, uh, if you're taking notes and you want to write the title of the message, it was a, it was a, it was a bump my head against the wall. What should I title it? So I just came up with a very easy, uh, easy to remember um, title, and it's check your roots. Check your roots. Look at the person next to you and just say, check yourself. There used to be an old song. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay. I don't know if y'all remember that song. Wrecks and effects with the one. But I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. I'll start with, you know, we'll start dancing and all that. But today we're going to check ourselves. It's good to check ourselves sometimes, isn't it? Hopefully many of you checked yourselves out before coming this morning. And you put the right products on and you looked at yourself in the mirror and you brushed your teeth and you smiled to make sure there was nothing cut up in your tooth and you did the right thing to get over here today. Thank you for doing that, by the way. (laughs) But you know, we can't get so caught up in checking ourselves physically without checking ourselves spiritually and forgetting about that. Check your roots is what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about this one symbol today. And if you could get this in your mind, it's called a fig tree. And a fig tree in the Bible is often used symbolically to, to, represent, to represent Israel. Actually, in Genesis chapter 3-7, the fig tree, Adam and Eve, if you remember, they used fig leaves to make their first covering. Remember that? Adam and Eve used fig leaves. In Judges chapter 9, verse 11, we know that it was valued, figs, for delicious and sweet fruit. That's what it was to bear. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 25, when you look at this fig tree, it was a symbol of prosperity and security. As a matter of fact, it says, And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree. And this fig tree. In John chapter 1, verse 48, we find Nathaniel, who would be Jesus, one of his disciples. He's enjoying his time, and he's resting. And as he's resting, perhaps he's meditating, like it was custom in these days, meditating in God's word. Maybe he was praying and finding shade under a fig tree, it says, though. The fig tree, I'm going to share that a lot today. The fig tree was meant to to bring forth, to bring forth good things, to, to bear fruit, to give shade. Everyone understand, fig tree was to produce things that were good, needed. So all of that to get into, right into the message. Not going to waste any time with introduction. Not going to waste any time with jokes today. But I want to get right into Luke chapter 13. And in Luke 13, Jesus gives us a parable. And in this parable, verses 6 through 9, taking notes there, which you should, or have your Bible open there and reading with us, it says this. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, And he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. So then he said to the keeper of this vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered, and he said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. Basically, give it one more chance, sir, until I, I dig around it and fertilize it. Let me put some more work into it. Verse 9, and if it bears fruit, well, but if not, then you could cut it down. If it bears fruit, then leave it. But if it, after a little while, if still nothing happens, go ahead, sir. Go ahead and cut it down. Great parable. 
You see, when you look at Luke chapter 13, the fig tree here, it was not living to its purpose. The fig tree was not living to its design. Does everyone see that? The fig tree, something was wrong with the fig tree, and it wasn't producing what it needed to produce. So the man comes and he says, why is it using up the ground? Why is it taking up space in the garden? It's a waste. It is pointless. It's just taking up space. It's of no use, this fig tree. When you look at this parable, we know this throughout the scriptures, and, and really this is going to build up to my message. The owner of the vineyard all throughout scriptures, catch this, is God, the God of Israel. And the dresser is Christ, the Messiah. He's the dresser. And when we look at the life of Christ, here he is in three years in this mission in this ministry here in this world, through digging and fertilizing, he would make the nation of Israel bring fruit unto God. But the Lord still had about half a year at this time of this parable of dressing work before him. He still had about half a year to go. So I'm going to jump into another passage, and it's actually found in Mark chapter 11, and it starts in verse 12. And it seems that the verses that I'm about to read to you in Mark 11, which is called the cursing of the fig tree, it's actually in relationship with the parable that I just read to you in Luke 13. Don't miss that. That Mark 11, which I'm about to read, may actually be the end result of the unfinished parable of what I just read in Luke 13. Here it is. We'll put, it, we'll put all the pieces together. Here it is. Ready? Mark 11. And this is the text where I'm going to use today. And I'm going to stay on today. Here it goes. Mark 11, 12, 13, and 14 says, Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves on it, for it was not the season for figs. That's important there. You should underline that there. You should write that in your notes. It was not the season for figs. Verse 14, in response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And I love the next part. It's so weird that this is added. It's so weird that Mark felt like we needed to know this. It's so strange that this just pops out to me in the text. Oh, and his disciples heard it. Here is moments, here are days before his arrest and his crucifixion. This was actually right after his triumphal entry in this donkey coming into Jerusalem. He's about to enter the temple in that famous story where he starts to flip over tables and money starts flying and he ch drives the money changers out. But right before that, he runs into this fig tree in Mark 11. And it says here that he's hungry. Jesus is hungry. Catch this for a moment. And the tree has leaves, meaning that it's promising to, to give out figs. But it wasn't the season. 
It had leaves. And Jesus went to it to say, well, maybe it, would, it, it has, maybe it has some figs. But how weird and how strange that Jesus walks up to a tree, which in that specific time, it wasn't the season for that tree to give forth figs. But he still goes to it. It wasn't the season, but he's hungry and he goes to check to see if it has figs. Because the leaves show a promising that it would most likely have figs, but it doesn't. So in reaction to that, Jesus curses it and says, let no one ever eat from your fruit again. Never. And then it ends in verse 14. Oh yeah, and his disciples heard it. I actually think that one of the most important parts of this scripture is that the disciples heard it. I actually think that that's highlighted in this passage. Because maybe what Christ was doing here was not really just about the fig tree, but really what it was, it was all about the disciples. That he wanted to get their attention, that he wanted to teach them a lesson in the spiritual, so what he does is he grabs something that is physical before them. And he says, I know what I'm going to do as a prop, I'm going to use this fig tree. And his disciples heard it. And Mark makes it clear to us as if we are supposed to see something of extreme importance here. And that is that the disciples heard it. What if the Lord was using something? And this is what I'm seeing out of this passage. What if he's using the physical law to reveal and to usher in a new law, a spiritual law? What an amazing passage this is. You see, because the law of physics here, the physical law, it teaches us that fruits are produced bare in season, yes? Seasons. Life is about seasons. When you're in elementary, you learn about the seasons. And you color the trees. One season the trees bare. The next season the tree has leaves. The next season it gives off fruit. The next season there's snow. And the next season the sun comes out. And we learn about these seasons. And life is about seasons at times. Seasons, seasons, seasons. And when we talk about the fig tree, the fig tree operates in a season. Don't ever forget that. It operates in a season. You see, when you look at seasons, that's what puts a constraint or restriction on when fruits can and will bear fruit, when trees can and will bear fruit. And then sometimes it's not even promised. A perfect example is my, my wife's grandfather. He has this beautiful, it's huge, it takes up almost his backyard. It's his baby. It's an avocado tree. And every year he's like, oh, este año vamos a traer aguacate. This is the year many avocados will come. And then the flowers don't come out. And then sometimes you have like four little avocados. Like, oh. But then there's some years that the flowers start to appear. The avocados start to grow. And my goodness, everyone in the family and everyone from the friends from the family, everyone is receiving avocados from his tree. So we wait for that tree in his backyard to bring forth avocados. And sometimes even as we wait for avocado season, it still doesn't bring the right amount of avocado that we wish for. You see, when you look at the spiritual law, it teaches us otherwise. 
Jesus here goes up to a tree when it was not season for that tree to bear fruit. Did everyone catch that in that passage? He goes up to it. It was not season for that tree to bear fruit. And then it ends with the disciples. It says the disciples heard it. Well, what is Jesus showing them? What is he showing the disciples here in this passage? Could it be that what Jesus is doing here is this, showing them that the spiritual law shows us that we are not restricted or under constraint to when we bear fruit. But now, in the spiritual law that he's ushered in, we have a power over the physical law. That we bear fruit when it's season, but we also bear fruit even when it's not season in our lives. Maybe the fig tree was more than just a fig tree in the middle of the road. Maybe the fig tree is a great representation of who the disciples would become. And Jesus needed to teach them whether you're in season or you feel you're out of season, there's one thing that remains. You never stop growing. You never stop bearing fruit. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be that? That we are not under seasons and we are not under its laws and we are not under its power over us, but that now we have the power in every season. What, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? This is what I mean. That when someone is up, we can speak a word in time just for them the same way that when someone is down, we could speak the same word in time for them. What? Yeah, that is why as a Christian, it doesn't matter what season you're operating in. What do you mean? Yeah, you could go to a funeral home and give the same power of the gospel of Jesus Christ like you could, good, like you could do in a bedside when someone's giving birth. That through birth or through death, in season and out of season, the power of God's word still has the same power. That we don't operate. That we don't function. That we're not held back according to seasons. That we operate in different seasons, always with the same power, with the same truth. Man, man. So someone could get fired, could go to their house and have a Bible study and ed- encourage them with God's word. And someone could get hired, we could go to the same house and have the same Bible study and encourage them with the same word. How is that? See, because we're not held into seasons. Though those two individuals had two different seasons in their lives, we in Christ don't operate according to seasons. We operate in one season, and that is in the Spirit of God. But my tree only bears fruit in season. Well, maybe we've had it wrong the whole time. Well, I only serve when these things, well, maybe you look looking at it the whole time the wrong way. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says this. Paul, writing to Timothy, he says, you preach the word. You be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. You be ready in season and out of season. Don't spend so much energy getting ready. Stay ready so you never have to get ready. Be ready at all times. When? In season, out of season, always. Because in Christ we bear fruit at all times. It doesn't matter what excuse we give. Some of us in this room today, maybe we could say, well, well, I'm just in a season in my life. Well, what is that season? Show it to me biblically, like 
What do you mean you're in a season in your life? Well, well, just give me some time. Well, I'll snap out of it. I'll eventually make it right. I'll eventually live right. I'll eventually follow the word of God. I'll eventually follow Christ. I'll eventually leave her. I'll eventually do what's right. What? And we could justify and we could give excuses. But the truth is that there is no law over us that restricts us to when and when not to bear fruit. In Galatians 5, when... The fruits of the Spirit are being mentioned. It says this in verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. How you doing, huh? Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I love this part. Against such there is no law. There's no law. There's no restriction. There is no law. So... We come to face our excuses now and then we repent and we let the Spirit do in us what is right. The Spirit does it in us. The Spirit operates it in us. Well, how do, you, how do I know that? Well, let's go to the next two verses. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh, the physical, with its passions and with its desires. But verse 25 says, and if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. <laughs> you see, the law of the flesh has been done away with if you're in Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, the flesh has been crucified, has been put to death. And in this passage, it's showing us that in that death, what has been resurrected in us is now the law of the Spirit. What do you mean? That we live in the Spirit and we what? Walk in the Spirit. What do you mean? You no longer walk according to the things that are physical and fleshful. You now walk according to the things. We walk according to the things that are Spirit and Spirit-led of the Spirit. So I read these passages and I said, man, why is it so hard for us? For some of us to walk correctly in this faith. Why is it so hard for us to follow Christ at times? Why is it so hard for us to live biblically at times? Well, it can be this. Because we're not living in the spirit. And we're not walking in the spirit. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is this. Are you trying to operate in the spiritual law while living in the flesh? That's the truth. Are you trying to operate in the spiritual things when behind everything you're really living for your flesh? When in reality, you're bound to the physical law. And this right here is a good reason why nothing may be happening. Why instead coming to the reality, coming to the truth of, Lord, I see where I'm at. I need to let the Spirit do the work in me because I can't do it in myself. See, when we live and when we walk in the Spirit, there it is, guys. We bear fruit in and out of season. I was able to share on Friday at a buddy of mine at his church, and I was sharing with the people of, that's the, that's the call that we have. That's the power that we hold. 
That our lives is not boring. Our lives is not... What people in this world look at it to be. And, oh, you're a Christian, so you can't do this and you can't do that. Who made that up? Who, who brought those things in the rule book of what Christians can and can't do that? And, and these are the 10 things that you should do and the 15 things you shouldn't. Who does all that? As a matter of fact, I was sharing with the church. I said how awesome it is that, that we get to represent and we get to carry something with us that, that, that I wouldn't change. And I wouldn't think that I'm not cool at all. Actually, I think what I do or we do for a living is actually the coolest and the greatest thing that we could ever do. And what I shared was how amazing is it that we could walk into things that are dead and call those things alive again. How cool is it that we could walk into things that are dark and be the light in the midst of darkness. You might think that not being a Christian. It's not cool, but I'm telling you today that the greatest thing that you could do is serve God in your life because you could do something that no one in this world is doing. And what's that? Walking into dead things and calling them into life again. Walking into darkness and being light in it. Everyone is walking into darkness, being darkness in it. But you're different. We're different. We're transformed. We walk in darkness while being in light. We walk into dead things while being alive. So when people hang out around us and see us live out our lives before them, they could look at us and we could represent something that is alive and that is powerful and his name is Jesus. But you're not in season. That's where we're different. You see, it doesn't matter whether I'm in the dark or whether I'm in the light because I function in one season and that is I live in the spirit of God and I walk in his spirit that's the difference that's the difference in a believer we live in the spirit and we walk in the spirit and we go wherever the spirit takes us well guess what one man was going to be taken to Nineveh not a godly place not a place that a godly man would want to live at it's not a place where you want to want to go and kick in and take the gospel to you want to go a place where you're more comfortable maybe, a place where you'll be more received. But it's funny because Christ calls us now light into darkness just like he did to him. Jonah go to Nineveh. Nah, I think I like Tarsus better. Well, I don't care what you like because you're called to function, to operate under different seasons. You don't go to what seems right and what seems seasonal and not seasonal because what you don't understand is your light walking into darkness, your life walking into death. Go to Nineveh. And the disciples heard it. And the disciples heard it. Let no one ever eat from your uh, fruit again, but the disciples heard it. When we live and when we walk in the spirit, we bear fruit in and out of season. Maybe this could help you out a little bit to define what's my problem. Where am I going wrong? What is happening to me? Let's keep reading in Mark 11, the text that we're standing on. Let's skip down to verse 20, and let's keep reading the story of the fig tree. Give me an amen when you're in Mark 11, verse 20. Everyone there? In Mark 11, 20, it says, The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree that he had cursed, like poor tree, right? Disciples noticed it. It's funny, the disciples noticed it because they also heard it. Now they're noticing what they heard. They noticed they had withered from the roots up. Does everyone see that? I love how he made sure to tell us that it was from the roots in which it was withered. 
So Peter remembered what Jesus had said because he heard it. He was there. And he remembered what he had said to the tree on that previous day. And he said, look, Rabbi, look, 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 the fig tree that you cursed. It's withered. It's died. And then Jesus said to the disciples, I love the first thing he says to them. Have faith in God. That's awesome. And he goes in, he teaches them something amazing. I tell you the truth, that you can say to this mountain, you may be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, but you must. Like, that stuff is not um, the law of physics to me. Because I can't just go up to a physical mountain and say, go into the sea and watch it happen. Like, this stuff is really deeper than just physical law here. And it will happen if you have no doubt in your heart. Verse 24, I tell you that you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it's going to be yours, man. I look at verse 20 and verse 24. And here is a fig tree now. And it's all dried up. And it's dried up from its what? What is it dried up from? From its what? It's dried up from its roots. As it's dried up from its roots, here is a tree dried up from its roots. And you and I kind of hopefully know a little bit about trees. And we know that trees die from its roots. If I cut off some branches from a tree and I rip off its branches, if that tree is healthy by the roots, it'll grow a new branch. Even if I cut the tree, some years will go by, if the roots are healthy, the tree will grow again. But if the roots are poisoned and if the root is dead and withered, pretty much that whole tree is done. Trees die from roots. Will we all agree with that? The problem and why we might not see any fruit bearing in our lives. And we use the excuse of, well, I'm just in a season in my life. Pastor, I need to meet with you because I'm just in a weird season in my life. Maybe the problem is not necessarily the season in your life. Maybe the reality is the roots of the tree that have been withered. See the difference? We blame it on seasons when we don't look into the roots. The problem and why we might not see any fruit bearing may be a problem that our roots are dried up. And church, we can continue to push and we can continue to show that we have our leaves. And we could continue to promise that it looks good and that everything is okay. And at any moment now, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back and I'm going to serve better than ever. And I'm going to go back to praying like I used to pray. And I'm going to go back to worshiping like I used to worship. And I'm going to go back to doing everything that I used to do for God the way I used to do. You don't believe me? Check out my leaves. They're almost coming fruit. And you could give all those kinds of excuses. But I'm going to tell you something. There is no fruit that will ever come out if the roots are withered. And we could continue to push and we could continue to show and we could continue to say that we are well. But it's only for a moment until it all begins to wither because it starts to wither from the roots. It's not healthy and it will not last because the roots are dried. Man, this is awesome because I rather bear a consistent, I rather bear out a consistent flow of fruit over my whole period of life operating out of season always. Rather than bearing maximum fruit that only lasts for a short time, a short season in my life, operating only in season. I wrote this down. A consistent little for the rest of our lives is more than an overflow of plenty for just a period of our lives. And I'd rather bear fruit to the day I die than bear a bunch of fruit right now and tomorrow bear no fruit at all. That's the truth. 
We don't just bear fruit for a period of our lives. We bear fruit for the rest of our lives in and out of season. So when it comes to the reality of how am I doing with my life, with my fruit, um, with my love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, how am I doing with these fruits in my life? Um, the reality is now here it is. Ready? We check our roots. Are we withered? Are we dying? If it's so, then we need to come before the presence of God and say, here it is, Lord. Only you can do it. Let your spirit lead me. I walk in the spirit and I will live in the spirit. Produce the fruit that I know you long for. Have you figured it out that in your own strength you can't produce the fruit? You can't bear it? You haven't figured it out yet? It's going to be very, you'll be here for 10 more years still frustrated. But are you at a place where you're figuring it out? That Oh, I get it. The strength is not in me. I got to get to a place where I've recognized I'm withering from the roots up and I need the spirit of God to make alive what has been dead. I need to water him to water me again. I need to live in the spirit. I need to walk in the spirit. Church, here it is. Check your roots. The book of James gives us an insight in two verses I'll share with you real quick. It says, each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and he is enticed. But then when the desire has conceived... It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. See, I read this passage in James, and I say, here it is, man. If my soul and my heart, if my inner man is dried up, death is the only outcome. It's the only ending point. But if my life, if my soul, if my heart, my inner man is watered, I get it. Life is the constant outcome. There is no end point. Our life goes on in eternity to live. How many of you could say amen? Check your roots. Bear fruit in season and out of season. I'm going to ask Brother Tito to come up again and, and let's sing that song that we sang right there at the end. Because I believe that's what we need. We need Jesus. Because I've recognized that as I try to bear fruit and I try to produce I fail myself. Any of you ever fail yourself? But I recognize that in Christ, he never fails me. And Lord, that's where I'm at today. I need to check my roots. I need to check what's withered. I need to check what's dying. I need to recognize that I'm blaming things on seasons in my life when in reality, you never called me to operate. There is no law under the fruits of the Spirit. Check your roots. I love verse 22, guys. After Peter's reply, Lord, look, Rabbi, look, Rabbi. Look how amazing this is. The tree in which you curse, it's withered, it's withered, it's dead. Jesus looks at Peter, looks at the disciples, and his first words are nothing but four basic words in our English vocabulary. Look at verse 22 in that same passage. Jesus looks at the disciples, he looks at Peter, and he says exactly what they needed to hear on that specific time. What was it? Have faith in God. Put your trust in me. Have faith. Because that song that we sang, I never fail you. You function under a different law. You function in the spirit now. You operate under the spirit now. 
So you don't get caught up anymore in season. You don't get caught up about being out of season. The only thing that you're caught up with now is the Spirit of God. And I never fail you. Have faith in God. Man, praise the Lord that that He works it for us, man. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit leads me, that I walk in your spirit, not in my own. You know, Jesus gives a warning in Matthew chapter 7 about false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. That inwardly, in chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, it says inwardly they're they're ravenous wolves. He calls these false prophets. But you know how he defines them? In Matthew 7, 16, he says, you will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree can bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. It's thrown into the fire. So therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. That's amazing. You look at this passage, and I recognize that, Lord, Today I check my roots. Today I see whether it's withered, whether it's dying. Because if it's withered, what is bearing, what is being produced, leads to death. But Lord, if your spirit is watering it, your word is watering it, if there is life, then what I bear, what I bear is life. So that when someone comes to our tree, And we show leaves, whether it is in season or whether it's out of season for us to bear fruit. We always have fruit because we show the world we don't operate. The world is so caught up today in politics. And I guess it's part of our responsibility in this nation to be. But I put a post up from Piper's Desiring God. And we function, we operate under different seasons. Desiring God had an an amazing article. What I did was I copied a piece of it, which you've probably heard before. And in this piece, look at the difference in the way we operate. And you tell me if this is not true. I think it's true. Check this out. It's loading. says this as we engage in political discourse and public policy we must remember that political activism can only accomplish so much our hope is not in government to change our nation but in the proclamation of the good news through churches and Christian families that's good you want to know why it's good because it teaches me that yes From the outside, our country looks like it's in a season. But there's a group that live within this nation that don't operate in that season. And that's the Christian church. That's Christian families. We operate in something different than what the rest of this world operates in. 
So I'm not worried. I'm not perplexed. I'm not losing sleep like so many others are. I'll still do my duty. And if I can find one candidate that is the one that fits biblically, what I feel I should vote for, then I'll do it. But I'm not going to talk about politics today. At the end of the day, I'm not worried because I know that what I need, what my family needs, what my children need, what our country needs is not a man, but it's a God back in the center of it. And his name is Christ. And we don't operate under the season of darkness that the world operates and looks for man to be savior. We operate under a different season of the spirit where Christ is the savior. And we know that. We know that. We know that it's Christ. Do you know that it's Christ? I hope you know it's Christ. So Lord, here it is. Maybe some of us are withering. Maybe some of us are giving excuses of seasons. Lord, I'll get it right eventually. And today through this message, God has spoken to you and he says, let me water your, let me water your roots so you could bear fruit. So you're no longer constrained and bound to seasons anymore. But that you could bear. So that my spirit could give you life again. So that you could walk. And that you could live in the spirit. The work that I want to do in you. Let me accomplish it and do it already. I ask you to stand with me. As we get ready to close. And right there where you're at. Remember how we started off? Close your eyes if you need to. Don't get distracted, but if right there where you're at, if you're saying, Lord, today I check myself. I check myself. I want to bear fruit. Not fruit of the flesh, for that has been crucified, that has been put to death, but fruit of the Spirit, oh God. Fruit that makes me alive and makes others alive. Lord, I recognize that you are that work. You are that hope. It is your spirit that I long to live in and walk in. I can't walk in my flesh anymore. I can't walk in my desires anymore. I can't walk in my dryness anymore. I got to recognize that it's in you. So today I check my roots. Here I am. Take me, oh God. Take me, oh God. If that's you today, right there where you're standing, we're going to sing this song. And I'm going to ask you to release it to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to really just pray to Him. Really cry out to Him. If you need to come up to the front, man, you're more than welcome to separate, to get out of your chair and get on your knees up here. But right there where you're at, if you want to just stretch out your hands, open up your hearts and say, Lord, I I understand the last four words. I place my trust, have faith in God. I have faith in you today. So right there where you're at, just surrender to the Lord. Say, Lord, I give you my dryness. I give you my, my withered roots. Water me again. Allow me not to operate according to seasons, but operate according to the Spirit. Lord, let me bear fruit once again. Let me not justify and give excuses. Lord, let me not promise to give fruit while my leaves are shining and waving, yet there is no fruit. Let those days be over with. Lord, 
do a work in me today, Lord God. I've tried in my own strength. I've tried in my own knowledge. I've tried in my own intellect. It's all failed me, oh God. I need you. So if that's you, we need to come up to the front. We're not going to...